Planning, insurance, and investing are all important aspects to building generational wealth. Sherwin Hughes has you covered with a lesson in financial empowerment right here on the new 1017 The Truth. Financial empowerment on 1017 The Truth is presented by Northwestern Mutual. At Northwestern Mutual, their version of financial planning helps you live your dreams today. Welcome to Hour 3 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. And as promised, Mr. J.B. Bell and Erica Wright from Northwestern Mutual are in studio. And boy, we've just had a very interesting offline conversation about investing in life and all the things associated with it. Well, lady and gentlemen, we are coming to the close of yet another year. Congratulations to you both for not dying in the year 2022. So we're glad that you are still here. And as we look forward to a new year and new opportunities, new hopes and new dreams, we should talk about saving for retirement. Maybe folks didn't get the start in their retirement savings. They may have wanted in the previous year. What should folks do? Want to start saving for retirement? They've heard all the different segments we've done with myself and Dr. Ken, with you wonderful folks, and are really serious about saving and investment. And now 2023, that's another year closer to their retirement date. Where do you guys suggest people really start taking seriously and start saving for retirement? Well, you know, the first of all, um, happy early New Year. I won't see you all to the to next year. So uh, happy New Year, everybody. Um, JB here. Um, the, one of the biggest things that I think is important in the beginning of the year um, is to think about what happened last year. And there are some people that may have already been contributing to their retirement that there's an opportunity to just consider increasing it to some degree. Um, we always tell our clients doing nothing, truthfully, is the biggest loss that you have. Okay, so even if you can commit to um, increasing 1% or 2%, that's one thing for those who are already saving, um, we think is, is important to consider after you go through your budget. Uh, for those, though, who have not started um, whether it be you reaching out to us and just if you have any questions, we've, we've gone over things in previous, you know, um, interviews, whether it be reaching out to your HR professional and requesting to sit down with that 401k guy or gal, whatever it takes. Um, the most important thing is that you log on and you go in and you select that percentage, knowing that each month, if you want to, you can add more. So even if you just start off at one, two or three percent, getting going, at least taking the match, getting going is so important and giving yourself that deadline of, you know, maybe mid-January so it can go in effect. Eric, what do you think? Yeah. And what I would say is I would I would go out to if if, if I'm working and working for an organization, um, I would go out to the the intranet or, yes, reach out to the, the HR person and and actually look at those benefits. And if I didn't understand what the benefits means, then I would, you know, come in and get help. But actually getting an account of what retirement options does my organization offer me? Do I have a 401k? Do I have a 403b? Does those options have Roth entail with them? Um, do I just have a, a simple IRA that that I can contribute to? So getting a general understanding of what you have, if you haven't started to me is the first place and then doing an account of, okay, well, how much money do I have left over from my expenses right now? Can I effectively start to put away and then start going from there with how much 
or what percentage you want to you want to uh, move forward with as you get either older in chronological age or as your retirement date draws nearer aren't your limits you're able to contribute to a 401k don't they increase is it yeah. with age or with your re- approaching retirement date age okay. so uh you can contribute a certain amount and you know right now well, for 2022, it was $20,500 that you can put in. And then after you reach the age of 50, then you can put in an additional um, $6,500. So $27,000 that you can put into your retirement account. So, and that that's... Um, that's for all of the the qualified retirement accounts. So if you have an IRA, you can contribute an additional thousand dollars after you um, reach the age of fifty. If you have a simple IRA, you can contribute additional money after you reach the age of fifty. And that is what we call catch up contributions. So they are the government is allowing you to say, you know what, if you didn't do a good job in the beginning. You can start to catch up here and put more away because most people make more in the later years of their life. Try to set you up better for um, your retirement. Got another question. So everybody knows tax day is April 15th. If I want, and that's when everybody will file, hopefully they file before that, but that is the absolute legal deadline to file. You can get extensions, but that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. If I want to contribute to my 2022 retirement funds, my IRAs, my 401ks, I can contribute to 2022 even after the two, the year 2023 has started. Is that correct? So I can contribute. Not for all of them, okay. but yes. So yes Clear and no. Clear that up for me. Yes, you can contribute to your IRAs um, in 2023 for the contribution year 2022. But the 401k, those deferrals, that's set. Um, your your Company can still make a um, a profit sharing contribution, but um, your deferrals will need to be in by twelve thirty one. Kyle, what's the question again? You said how long can we contribute? Like, at what point do I have to give my money for twenty twenty two for my Roth IRA in twenty twenty three? Is there like a deadline where I have to send the money by the tax filing deadline? Well, there you go, Kyle. Kyle, you don't even need financial advice because you're independently wealthy. So you're already he's over here fronting like he ain't got three point seven million in cash. Another eighteen hundred under the mattress. All right. Um, His glasses even look different. every time. They do. It's different. Made out of different about platinum and diamonds. How does an employer's (laughs) retirement plan work? I know there's many different types. Most people don't really delve into them. I know you get these quarterly statements and they say, oh, we're meeting with our wealth management company for employees that are involved in the uh, employer sponsor retirement plan. Can you guys give us a snapshot of how those work? Uh, yeah. So there's a, a couple of different kinds. The The most popular um, would be the 401k. And basically what happens is typically the company will um, provide a, a matching contribution or what's called a non-elective contribution. Um, a match means that if you contribute, they will match what you put in up to a certain percentage. Um, so a lot of companies may do 50% up to 6% or 100% up to 6% or, you know, or 50% up to 3%. You'll, you'll hear those types of numbers when you're, um, when you're reading through like your, your benefits guide. Um, or they will, the non-elective contributions is when the employer 
is going to contribute um, into everyone's retirement, regardless of if they contribute or not. So you don't have to put in the employers trying to um, still support the retirement of the employees without them having to, you know, put in themselves. Can one of you define for me pre-tax contributions versus after-tax contributions to retirement funds? Sure. Pre-tax means that the money is not going to be taxed when it goes into that um, that retirement account. Okay, So when you get your W-2, there will be a, a box there that says you, you've contributed into those, um, into your um, retirement account. Those are pre-tax dollars. And so they will not, they will be deducted. You will not have to pay any taxes on those. Now, after tax, mm-hmm. when, and we think of that more so as the Roth, right, is when you've already paid the tax, you've received that money, and then it's going into the retirement account. So what will happen with those pre-tax dollars is when you reach the age of 59 and a half and you start to take that money out of the account or when you retire and start to take the money out of the account, then you're going to have to pay the taxes on the contributions and also on the gains. After tax dollars, right, they've already been taxed. They've government's got their money. Now you're putting that money away and you're investing when you reach the age of 59 and a half or retirement and you start to pull that money out, then um, you don't pay any tax on the contributions or on the gains. We are speaking with Erica Wright and J.B. Bell from Northwestern Mutual about saving, investing, retiring and all the good things. We're going to take a break, come back and continue the conversation. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes of the new 1017 FM. I'll be back in a second. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back in the studio, Erica Wright and J.B. Bell from Northwestern Mutual talking about saving for retirement. Here we are coming to the close of one year and the close of a tax year, but you still can make contributions to certain retirement accounts up until April 15th of this year. Oh, we had a bit of a sidebar conversation, right? The, the, the ability to grow money tax-free. And here I am thinking when you retire, your income will likely be lower than it was when you were working. So aren't there greater benefits in retirement? But JB, you brought up a couple of good points because there's a bunch of deductions that you lose. Mm-hmm. If your house is already paid off, you don't get to deduct that mortgage interest. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there is an assumption that, um, you know, when you retire that I'm going to, um, you know, live on less and, and that does happen, but there are a lot of instances where people, you know, they retire and they may actually want to live on either the same or more. And so what happens is when you retire, let's say you were maxing out a 401k plan. Okay. That's $20,500 that you're no longer getting as a deduction. Um, let's say you're like me or Erica, where we got, you know, 50, 11 kids running around, all those kids, none of those can be deducted anymore. Right. Um, the mortgage interest, there's so many places that we, we, we leverage to get our taxable income down. And then when you go into retirement, typically people are spending a lot more in the early years because it's like, they're tired. They want to be able to live a little bit. You know, they um they they know I'm not going to live forever. You know, they don't want to go to the Great Wall of China when they're 80 years old. They rather do it now. So so they may spend a lot more. So we call that more like a go go phase. You're you're going a lot faster, 
And then, you know, as you get older, you, you slow down a little bit, then it's slow go, and then, you know, you know, get to that 80s and beyond, it'd be like no-go. So just being wise about how it tears is important. I think, And I think one of the other pieces of retirement accounts that and, and pre-tax and, and after-tax that make a difference, too, is how those accounts transfer to our loved ones. So essentially what mm-hmm. we know is, you know, when you when you grow money or when you have assets, um, you you are either going to use them or there or somebody else is going to use them, whether it be the state or, you know, your loved ones, charity, regardless, um, they'll be used or given to someone else. And with the the pre-tax dollars, when you when those transfer after you pass away, um, all of that is taxed. Right. And and there's a time limit now, 10 years, if it's not going to a spouse that you actually um, have to spend that money down so the government can get their 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 tax money versus the Roth. You can transfer those assets to your loved ones without taxation. So that's a, a nice piece, too. Mm-hmm. When you guys sit down with clients, how do you determine the amount you can look at? You know, what they spend right now, what kind of lifestyle they want to maintain. You can look at all those things. But the bottom line is people do not know how long they're going to live. Right. So if I have enough money in my retirement where I can spend live off of five thousand dollars a month until I turn 70. Right. But then on my 71st birthday, I realize that I do not have enough money to continue living that lifestyle. So I guess what do you say to folks that they're living longer than expected or maybe they had some catastrophic medical things or other major expenses that really eat into their retirement? They're still alive. They've got many more years to go, but their money is starting to dwindle. So I guess at that point, what do people do other than, you know, the inevitable is going back to work? Are there other things that people can do as they see they're outliving their retirement accounts and their retirement savings? You know, that that is the, the critical question and why I think it's so important. Um, the work that we do is about creating plans, okay? Um, when you get close to retirement, your entire financial life is going to condense down to two essential questions, okay? All of, you can go, where should I invest? Stock market, mutual funds, crypto, all this stuff that people talk about. Everything's going to condense down to two questions. Is my income going to outlive me or am I going to outlive my income? Okay, and what we use is we use financial planning software (laughs) to get to the root of where do you actually want to retire? That's going to impact taxation. How much do you actually want to live on? That's going to impact what we would tell you to say. We all are not going to want to live on the same exact things. So that's why we're really on a mission to make sure people are not just winging it, because unfortunately, if you don't have a written plan, something that kind of tells you what are my guardrails, how much can I spend a little bit beyond you really are putting your position where you're just you're at the mercy of your circumstance. And when we're meeting with people, so, you know, the piece of of your question was, you know, OK, if I'm I can put away this certain amount of money, you know, today and this is, you know, what I can do where where we're looking at it was when we start meeting with people early on is saying, OK, this is what you're going to need for this amount for longer periods of time. And so at bare minimum, we're, we're running our plans out to 95. OK, um, we we're seeing the I believe it is the the class of people or the, the age 80 and older is the the fastest growing um, age group of individuals because people are living a lot longer. So there's some plans we may do to 100 um, but at bare minimum, we're running them out to 95. 
and we're looking and saying, this is what you need to live off of. I mean, this is the amount that you need to get to to have your $5,000 a month. And you know what that amount is. Now, if this is all you can put away today, great. We're going to start somewhere. But we're making sure that you understand the goal and you're going to have to make some progress over time, whether that is, you know, getting um, debt down so that way you can contribute more or getting promotions at work so that there's more, you know, income being able to be saved. But you at least know what that number looks like. I think that's the a big problem that a lot of people have is they don't even know what number they should be obtaining. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to save then. And then you wake up one day at 70 and like, okay, well it's gone. Well, we, we can't necessarily do it overnight. Now the second piece to your question is it's going to depend on what, what that person may have. Right. If, if we see that they're running out of money, if they have a home, maybe we look at a reverse mortgage um, if there um, are other other assets, maybe we look at um, trying to, you know, utilize them in different ways. Maybe we look at, you know, how are we distributing assets? Because, you know, yeah, are we do we want to access life insurance? There's it just really comes down to that particular person's situation. What about living expenses? So let's say my retirement, as my retirement becomes much more in the focus, I'm starting to think about, well, where am I going to live, right? So selling my house might be a part of that. And a lot of folks will sell their houses. They'll downsize because the kids are all off and, and on their own. Do you th- like? Do you rent, right? Or do you, do you get another 30-year mortgage at the age of 62 and a half? Like, how do you tell your clients to deal with li- living expenses because you got to live somewhere, right? And the prospect of another another 30-year mortgage because you sold the house, maybe you have some equity, but the equity may not be enough to purchase another dwelling outright. So I guess how do you you deal with that? Or do you tell them, well, just get an apartment somewhere, a one-bedroom apartment for still probably eight or $900 because living expenses are still probably one of the most like, significant you know, payouts that people will be dealing with every single month. So in retirement, how do people is, yeah. mediate that? Again, I don't, I don't, you all, y'all probably hate my answer, but it depends. It's going to depend on that person's situation because if you have a person who has the cash flow and it's important to them and they feel like they found a house in a good place that is going to be able to accumulate and grow value and they want to pass that down to their um, their children or pass it on, then it's fine. Okay, let's fit that in the budget and figure out where else we may take away from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if f- for another person, maybe traveling and they're not even going to be in the house for, you know, long periods of time and they want to spend money, you know, going places and doing things like that, then then it may make sense to, you know, get an apartment or, or um I just I just want to want to add to that, though, the for people under the age of 50, um, I think they do need to realize that sometimes people over 50, um, they're in position to have an option because many of them may have pensions where even if they do decide to sell their house, at least they can rely back on a guaranteed income that's going to come in the door to the day they die. I think people that are under 50 really have to think about this um, and realize that, like, you know, failure and success is really subtle. And it's like a result of just little daily action. So you you really do have to fight to make sure that you're putting away enough money so you can actually have those kinds of options in your later life. Because 
you got to think if, if you don't have a, a guaranteed income stream or, or income plan in general, um, you know, you may fall back and have to use Social Security for rent. You may not even be in position to own that that, that spot, you know. Or pay your house off and just live mm-hmm. in the paid off house and mm-hmm. just pay your property taxes, which. Yeah. Like this, this is a this is a very critical. Even with my daughter, my 13 year old, I was showing her how McDonald's is like experimenting with those McDonald's where it's like mostly you know, machines in there now. And, and so so like as I told her, I didn't grow up in a world where I was going to get replaced that way. So I think we all have to just be wise about where the country is going, what benefits are different today than what they were maybe when our parents and grandparents were coming up. Got a question here. Someone is asking, can you ask your guests to comment on the reverse mortgage? Why or why not? Should a person do a reverse mortgage? What would make a reverse mortgage a good thing? Reason why I pose the question is because I've seen the last, I've seen at least rather two people lose their homes because of a reverse mortgage. Are the children trying to obtain the house after the person has passed on and has a very difficult time trying to get it. So can you guys, cause I actually have questions about reverse mortgages as well. Is there a succinct way you guys can describe those? Well, well one, one thing I will say is like at this point, this will be a question that we would tell to the caller, whoever it is that I really want them to reach out to us individually. Cause we have to be careful about giving blanket advice. I don't, I think this is a very, situational um, type of instance and that um, anything, anytime that you are accessing funds, accessing money in a permanent insurance policy, accessing money in your home, accessing money from your 401k as a loan, you really do more than just think about what you want to buy. You have to think about what will that repayment process actually look like? What kind of interest is associated with it? How can this balloon into something bigger? So there's always going to be a process. If you're ever going to leverage something where things can go wrong if you don't have a plan going forward. So, um, so that's what I would say at point Eric, if you want to add anything else to that or not, no, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I can, we can talk for days of why it, it you know, it, a reverse words could work for certain people, but it's, 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 there is no one size fits all for that. So you got to look at a, a holistic plan. What's going on beyond even just that asset. Got another question here. What if sounds a little suspect, but I'm asking anyway, <laughs> what if a group of cousins wanted to get insurance on grandma? Permanent, high, early cash value. Would this be smart? What y'all trying to do to Big Mama? <laughs> Leave Granny alone. No, see, here, here's the deal. Um, number one, you, you're if you're ever going to put a policy on um, any other loved one, um, they are going to have to sign off on this policy. So number one, it wouldn't be like you can go do this behind Granny's back. Granny would have to be well aware of what is happening and things like that. Um, secondly, typically when you're buying insurance on people that are especially starting to get up to that, you know, 60, 70, 80 range, um, many times that person may be uninsurable. There may be health issues that you really have to make sure that that premium is justified with whatever you would go for. It's not, it's always roses when you're, when you're getting up that to those, those later years, you know, to make sure they're eligible for it. And thirdly, when you have multiple people trying to buy a policy and they have to pay the premiums, you got to really make sure that everybody's on tack to pay what they need. Cause that could also go really left in that you're, you're not going to be able to have um, multiple owners. Like somebody's going to have to still play the point. You're going to make sure those agreements are written out. Well, you know, just know it is things don't always go smoothly in that way. So I would say you really want to be patient and, and think that, think it through. So even if multiple people go in on a policy, is there only one beneficiary or does everybody No, you can, you can have multiple beneficiaries. Okay. The issue is the owner though. Who, okay. who actually has ultimate control. He or she who is the owner has the ability to change beneficiaries and to control their policy however they desire, including cash values. I want to wish you guys both a happy, healthy, prosperous new year. 
to you and your family. And thank you guys so much for joining me today in the previous segments that we did. Any big New Year's plans y'all want to share? I know you Northwestern Mutual votes. You know how to throw one hell of an annual party. And if that's anything like the New Year's parties y'all going to throw, my goodness. My New Year actually going to be subtle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I just feel really good about um, 2023. I honestly think it's going to be my best year of my life. I'm going to have a great 2023. Look I already know. All right. That's what right. it is. I'm going to join you in having a yeah. great 2023. Thank you guys once again for imparting such wonderful financial wisdom upon the truth listenership. And right now, I'm going to take a little break. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 101.7 FM will be right back. 